0: It's really easy to hire the wrong person. It's also really easy to find the right person if you know what you're doing.
1: Welcome to Scaling
0: Simplified, a weekly conversation diving into our knowledge of teams, finance, strategies, and startups to help you scale to seven figures and keep your freedom.
1: I'm Pip. And I'm Georgia. And between us, we have over 20 years of experience in big corporates and small startups to share with you. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the second season of Scaling Simplified. We are buzzing to be bringing you a whole new season of juicy episodes, diving into even more topics about scaling your business. And I can't wait for you to hear them all. But today, we are going to start with a really big one that I know this question comes up again and again, and we're talking all about how to scale your client delivery. So before we dive into all the details around this, let's just get really clear on what this means. So Georgia, let's let's jump into it. Absolutely. So I think there are four big
0: bottlenecks that we encounter in our business. And once you get to a certain level, once you're starting to hit probably 250 to 500K revenue, The thing that is really going to stop you from scaling any further, and this is particularly in a service-based business, is how do you scale your client delivery? This is going to become the big bottleneck that you're dealing with, because no matter how organized you are, no matter how many amazing systems you have in place, you only have so much time in a day, in a week, in a month, that you can use to serve your clients. And... That's just a constant of the universe, of life. We are never going to create more time for our clients. So eventually you get to this point where you're maxed out. You can't sell any more hours. So if you want to scale the profitability profitability of your business, you have to find a way to scale that client delivery. And I think for so many of us, we think of ourselves as the business. We are the client delivery so how are we going to clone ourselves? Like, how do we move past this conundrum and serve more clients?
1: Yeah, I really like the idea of this is our business and how do we clone ourselves? Because I think everybody has that in business where you're so good at what you do. You've started this business yourself and then you want just 10 of you to help grow the business. But it's it's really important that we get our head around this and not just even from a client delivery perspective, for just scaling in general, because no matter how much we love to work, we can't be working harder and harder to grow. You can't just work twice as many hours to earn twice as much revenue. At some point, there is a cap on that. And if we keep working it the way that we often work when we start our businesses, we will burn ourselves out. And I, and I know from personal experience that. It all comes to catch you up and you will get ill and it will really make you have to reassess everything and figure things out. And, you know, from personal experience, don't do what I did and burn yourself out and get ill and then have to figure it out backwards. It's way better to figure it out before you get ill. So really thinking about what you can do and what you can changes you can make to help you with this is so important. And I think as well, as business owners, we have big plans, right? We have big ideas of the impact we want to create in the world. You can't do everything by yourself. And so you get to a stage where you really have to think differently and step into a different level of leadership and into a different level of running your business as a CEO, rather than thinking of your business as a solopreneur business. And so you really, again, this is why it's really important to get your head around this, And very much practically as well, I find that when you're so busy delivering work to clients, your brain doesn't have any spare time to think about what the plan is, or what the five-year plan is, the strategy, how you're going to move things forward. And so again, it's being able to build these systems and processes and client delivery in place. So you have time to think, because ultimately you need that time to think if you want to take your business to the next level. You can't just be working in reactive mode all the time. You have to switch into proactive mode. So I know with this, that often there's a lot of things stopping us and you mentioned that we become a bottleneck but what what are these bottlenecks and what are the things that are actually stopping us moving from this kind of solopreneur way of viewing things to really the CEO way of of viewing things?
0: Yeah absolutely there's a lot of different things that stop us and a lot of it to be honest comes down to mindset so I love what you were saying about you know you've got these big plans but you can't scale further into the next stage if you're keeping yourself stuck at the level you're at and the way that that could work is it's it's almost a bit like a a lack mindset you're hanging on to the level of clients that you have serving all of those clients despite the fact that you probably know that the level at which you can serve clients has raised a bar And you're now looking for clients at that new bar, that new level of expertise that you can offer them because, you know, you've you've developed while you've been building your your business as well. But you're still hanging on to those kind of more entry level clients, which means that all your time is spent there and you can't move up to this next stage. So I think the first stage is thinking about that, you know, not lack that there are more than enough clients to go around and you can hand those clients on to somebody else within your business and step into your next level of client delivery. But as I said, so much of this is around the mindset. So probably one of the big things that we all suffer with is this fear of losing control because you built a great relationship with those clients and handing them over to someone else to look after feels perhaps a little bit like abandoning them. You know, what if this person that we bring in to help us with our client delivery isn't as good as us? or doesn't give the clients the same relationship? What if we don't know everything that's happening in that conversation anymore? You know, What if we're a bit left out actually? Instead of focusing on how excited we're gonna be about stepping in to help these new clients, we're thinking about what am I losing in this relationship that I'm, I'm now moving away from? We get really worried about the standards that we set. Is someone else gonna live up to those? And I would almost love to counter that by saying, what if they're better? Like, what if they do it in a better way? What if they also have really high standards? What if there's an area that actually you're not as keen on that they really focus on and they can deliver at 11 out of 10 when you've been delivering at 10 out of 10?
1: Oh, it's so true. And it's that perfectionism piece, isn't it? What if they can't do it as well as me? Because we're so keen to do things so well. And actually, I always think perfectionism is this, this form of procrastination, really. There is no perfect way to do anything. And so you're seeing is your way is perfect. Well, or actually if somebody else's way is perfect for your client and You don't even know it yet because you're not open to the idea of bringing somebody in to help you with that client. So I think perfectionism often holds us back because because we successfully built our business doing it a certain way. We struggle sometimes to then think about actually there might be other ways which might be better for a particular client. It might look different for everyone or it might be better for the business in general. It's just not our way of doing things. I also think... There's a trust piece in here, isn't there? When you're handing over work and a client especially that you spent a long time working with, building this relationship with, and then you're handing them over to someone often new that you don't know as well as you actually know your client, there is a piece where you're thinking, oh goodness, like, can I trust that this person is going to be able to deliver to the standard that I expect? Can I trust them with this client? And I think there's a lot a lot that comes around this with when you're delegating out and stepping up into leadership, but learning to build that trust within yourself and within your team is such an important piece of this because I think often that's the thing that either keeps us micromanaging and then not letting our team, grow and and develop in the way they should or it stops us completely from handing over work and actually is the reason that we end up burning out.
0: Yeah absolutely the trust piece is so big and actually if you think about any other business like if we were thinking about artists you could have two artists who are both creating amazing pieces of work that clients love but in a completely different way. So it's your process is not the only way of going about someone and uh, going about something and letting someone else bring their flair into it is really exciting. And I think that also can link into like how we see our business. Often we see it as like an extension of ourselves when we're building it. You know, you often hear about entrepreneurs talking about their baby and, you know, we've put so much time and energy and dedication into our businesses But what if instead of thinking, this business is me, we were thinking, okay, I'm going to let go of the ego around that, the identity around that, this idea that me and my business are one and think actually I've built this business with values that I really believe in. I've built it to achieve certain objectives. And now I'm bringing in extra people that also believe in my values. They believe in my vision and they're gonna help me take this business forward. It's always gonna be the business that you started. You're always gonna have that identification with it. But why not take it even further? Like, why not show more people, let more people get excited about the vision that you had when you started it up? I think another thing that can really put people off is either stories that they've heard from other people. Oh my gosh, I hired this person. I cannot tell you the drama that they've caused me. Like, that is something that we've all heard. Now, I would listen to those stories and think, okay, it's a two-way street, you know, what effort did they put into hiring that person? And perhaps was it something around their own decision-making that meant that they ended up with somebody in their business that wasn't very helpful? And it can be the same. We might have hired before and actually we've left ourselves with a little bit of delegation PTSD because it was really stressful, you know, and those memories can make us quite gun shy about doing this again. But actually, if we start to look back at the process that we went through and think, how did I handle this before? Where were the areas that I maybe didn't focus enough? Where did I not ask the right questions? What were the things that I didn't give enough thought to? Where where was the detail missing that meant that I ended up with the wrong person in this role? Because it's really easy to hire the wrong person. It's also really easy to find the right person if you know what you're doing.
1: It is so true. Isn't it funny how, as entrepreneurs, we have no worries about testing and trying out our marketing and going, okay, that worked well, that didn't work well. So this time I've learned my lesson from this, I won't do this again. But we often don't have that same mindset in hiring. We don't treat it in the same way. Okay, well, that hire didn't work out well. Why didn't it not work out well? Okay, we're well, going into hiring this time. I now have learned that lesson. And I think we get ourselves so stuck with it that we don't treat it as the test that we we just all naturally do with marketing and sales. So that's definitely something that really helped me in this in this sort of the the front end to the back end, going, well, every time it goes wrong, you've learned your lesson, you won't make that mistake again. And actually, it, it takes you forward so much quicker. I also think on that the you know putting those systems and processes and time to reflect in place is so important. So making sure that you've actually got some form of setup for somebody to come in and I think often, when we don't have that structure for somebody to come in to, we don't actually know what we're delegating, it's kind of all over the place so we're setting somebody up for failure before they've even started their work. And this again, either means that we hire somebody and it's a bit of a disaster and then we have that story to tell somebody else that puts them off hiring. Or we're like, well, we can't hire somebody because I don't even know what I give them. I, I can't even explain what I do. So I think, and I know we always come back down to making sure you're documenting processes and ensuring that you're you know, delegating wherever possible. But these are things that you can solve. And so these are things that I think often stop us from bringing people in because we don't have that structure in place behind us in the business.
0: That is such a huge one. I can't tell you how many people say to me, I really need some help with this, but I can't bring anyone on because it's all a bit of a mess. Well, if the person that you're bringing on is a specialist in systems and processes, let them take that on. You know, Often you don't need to give them that much detail for them to run with something. And the amazing thing about technology and AI is that there are incredibly simple ways that will take you no extra time than you are currently doing between when you find that person and when they start you can already have created a bit of a library of stuff for them to work on so i absolutely cannot accept the excuse that a <laughs> lack of systems and processes is stopping you from making your life easier because we can definitely move beyond that that's almost one of the more simple ones to conquer one of the more difficult so we've talked about these mindset blocks and Definitely, as entrepreneurs, we have a host of limiting beliefs, those that we bring from our personal life, those we bring from our work life, from our childhood, you know, we're bringing it all in to really kind of disrupt our business. But one of the big things that we say is, I am the business, you know, the buck stops with me. Well, what if we started to flip that and think about it differently? What if we thought, actually, my clients are the business, the results that my clients are getting are the business, you know, the success that they have with the service that I'm giving. That's the business. That's my legacy. So what if I started to think, actually, I'm not the only one that can deliver this amazing service to these clients? What if we tried to make that even better bring in even more expertise, even more knowledge. We stop saying to ourselves, everything has to be me. We stop saying, I'm the only one, the only person in the whole world that ever existed that can deliver this service to my client. We know that's just not true. So if we could flip it, and instead of saying to ourselves, I am the business, we're saying the results my clients get is the business. So how can I make that even better? And then when we're thinking like that, we can start to think about, okay, so what what are the ingredients that I need to bring in that are going to improve that process? Because we might be saying to ourselves, okay, I can't bring someone in because I don't have, I don't have any training set up. Like I don't know how to train them. I don't have the resources for them. So it's not always a matter of thinking about it like that. It's actually thinking, if I'm bringing in someone that is exceptional in this area, what are they already gonna be bringing to the table? And then what do I need to show them with the skills that they have to perfect it within the business that I'm running? So they probably already know how to do the things that you want them to do. They just don't know how to do them within your business yet. So actually it's probably quite some quite simple tweaks around, you know, these are the values. This is, these are our guiding principles. This is how we want our clients to be treated. Actually, it's not about creating huge training and resources if we're actually employing people that have those skills already. Which also brings me to the other thing that people say is around this kind of time investment, you know? I don't have time to bring someone on. I haven't got time to train someone and supervise them. Is it really worth the effort? Yes, it's really, really worth the effort. You know, it is a bit of a kicker that in the beginning, you will have to put a tiny bit of time and thought into what you're delegating and how you're delegating it. But once you know the way to do it, once you've got the structure of how to hand over that information, it's something I talk to my clients a lot about, you know, delivering outcomes, giving people the right information they need, giving people the permission. It's actually a really simple process. And once you've delegated something successfully, That's it. It's never, it's never on your to-do list ever again. You no longer have to spend time stressing about getting something done that you didn't want to do in the first place about, you know, ticking something off your to-do list. It's there week after week after week that will never happen again, which is the most liberating feeling when you want to move up into those kind of CEO tasks.
1: It's really interesting you say that. So something that I've always thought about delegating and putting that time investment into people. So when you start your business, right? You will do pretty much anything because you have no money. If somebody's like, oh, it's going to cost you a thousand pounds for this. You're like, no, don't worry. I've got Google and I've got the evening and you figure it out. Right. And you've got no problem putting that time into figuring out how to run the Facebook ad or whatever it is at the start of your business, because that's what you do. And yet we don't have. And also in, in business, we're happy to put the work in for future financial reward. Like as entrepreneurs. We put in a huge amount of work early on for the reward later on and that's that's something that separates us from the you know quote unquote, rest of society that's that's what makes business owners who they are and the type of people who run businesses so successful in that they're able to delay the gratification of receiving the money because they're willing to put that work in consistently for a long time first So why is it that with time investment, we are not willing to put time into a person to train them so we don't have to do the job? And it's like thinking about it in that way really changed my mindset on this because it is not the same amount of time we're putting into our business to get the result from a a team member. So if you're struggling with the time investment, just remind yourself of how much effort you've put in to get to where you are now and actually that, that extra three or four hours with a member of staff is probably well worth it if you don't ever have to do that task again. Um, that is so
0: true. <laughs> I can't think of the number of things I've taught myself to do of an evening, given up that time to do it. And, and actually like training up your team, probably way easier because you already know all the information. It's just, exactly. how am I going to impart this in the clearest way? Exactly. That is, yeah, I love it. Okay, so other things that are tripping us up. Now, this is actually quite a big one, is unclear roles and responsibilities. So imagine that you want to delegate something, but you're not actually sure who on your team you delegate it to, because you haven't defined exactly what everybody's role and responsibility is. So I think it's really important before you even think about hiring, What is the big outcome of this role? And every person's role probably has three big outcomes that they're responsible for. And each person should almost have a question that they ask themselves when they're twiddling their thumbs or they're not sure what they're doing in their role that sums up what they're about. So for example, if you are hiring someone to take on systems and processes, that person is is taking control of systems and processes. You know, everything that happens, their role is to refine it, make it faster, more efficient, more cost effective. So the question that they're always asking themselves is, how can I make this system better? How can I make this perform better? Where are the areas that I could change things? And then, you know, if there's something in a system that you see that you don't like the look of, you know exactly who you need to delegate that to, who you're talking to about that. So we've become really clear about roles and responsibilities which feeds into the the big thing is clarity. You know how important clarity is in any project that we're talking about. And this is something that we've got to think about when it comes to our team. You know, it's one of the big reasons that things fail is that we haven't actually taken the time to sit down and think, how is this team member gonna change my life? So we're going to sit down and we think, okay, what is what is the reason that's holding me back from maybe achieving this goal, from hiring this person, from moving forward with this big project that I've got in my mind? You know, there's something that I desperately want to start working on, but I'm just never finding the time. Week after week, it slips to the bottom of the to do list. So what is holding me back? is it that i'm too busy working in another area of the business so what is this other area of the business that doesn't really need to be any me anymore that i want to hand over and what would handing that over look like in terms of freeing up time for me freeing up energy freeing up brain space you know and how am i going to spend that new time on this new project is it going to help me get that project further forward what's the value of that project to my business it could be 10 times the value of what you're trying to give away so if we're trying to take on if we're trying to hand over this this part of what we're currently doing what's the main element of this part of the role that we're handing over what's the main skills Someone needs to do that well. What does their personality type need to be that's going to get them to that place? Do they need to be a big picture thinker? Do they need to be inspiring with people that they talk to? Do they need to be great at building rapport? Do they need to be super detail orientated? Do they need to, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So it's getting clarity around this part of my client delivery that is holding me back from moving on with my next projects. Who do I need in that role to really serve my clients in the way that I want them to be served?
1: Yeah, I love this. And this all comes back to one thing that I always do with a new client is find out how much thinking time they have, like literally built into their diary. And I call it CEO time or, or blank space time. But this is the most important thing as a business owner you can do is to carve out some time so you have time to think about this. Because I think when we don't have time, to think about these things that's when we get trapped in this cycle of I keep working harder I get myself burnt out I get more clients I keep working harder and we don't like break the cycle and scaling our client delivery really is just breaking the cycle of being trapped in all these things that we've been talking about the lack of systems the mindset I don't have time do I have the trust how do I find the right person who's the right person I would have time to train them and all these things which are stopping us so I know we talked about lots of things. And I'm sure if you're listening, there's probably a number of things here that you're resonating with going, yeah, that sounds like me. I've thought about that. That's definitely one of my, you know, biggest things holding me back from really taking my business to the next level and moving from that solopreneur to whether it's an agency or bringing in, in, in more support coaches or consultants or service providers. What? Would you focus on Georgia if we if you resonate with quite a number of these things? What's the biggest thing to start off with? Because I think sometimes if we can start in one place and then put our foot in front of the other, it, it's a manageable journey. And actually, if we're faced with everything, that's when you want to hide. And what we what we're trying to do here is not allow you to hide anymore and to help you to take stepping uh, stones forward. So where do we start? Well, it's kind
0: of twofold. So. There might be some things that you're saying to yourself straight off. I want you to ignore those limiting beliefs that are coming up. We're gonna think about, find that time, as you talk about the CEO time to get that clarity around who do I need to come into the business and take away these elements of the client delivery that no longer need to be me. But I know that as soon as you start thinking about that and getting the clarity on that, The next thing that's gonna pop up, the elephant in the room is trust, okay? So this is the main reason that people aren't handing over elements of their client delivery is because they're worried, how do I trust someone will do a good enough job? But also how do I trust that they're not gonna steal my clients? How do I trust they're not gonna sink my business because they do it so badly? Like how
1: do I trust taking someone on board? That's huge. And I think that is such an important piece for everyone. I think we've all been there where we've had these either a little worry or a big worry where we've really just struggled to pass something over because of that trust piece. And I know trust, obviously, that the longer you work with someone, the easier it is, the more experience you've had, the faster you can build trust. But how do we, with our first few hires and our, you know, the first time we're handing over a client to somebody else in our team, what are the first steps for starting to build that trust as quickly as possible?
0: Well, I think it starts really with you as a business owner first, you need to start by sort of planning this role, but also looking at those limiting beliefs and the factors that are holding you back. And to be honest, ego plays a really big part in this, you know, and ego, we all have ego, it's something we all have, but it's Are we letting our ego rule this situation? So, you know, we might want to take someone on, but we still feel like we're the only one that can deliver to the clients at the level that we want to. So in that instance, our ego is getting in the way. It's making us kind of reluctant to delegate. We might've hired that person, we might've designed that role. And yet we're still holding back from handing that work over to them. Like certain bits, certain decisions, we still need to hang on to. And then we become a bottleneck because instead of handing over the whole process to someone, we've said, right, I want you to take the process. But when you get to this point, you need to come back and get my permission. So suddenly they've done all this work up to a point, And now that is waiting or when you've got the time to okay that. And if you've hired this person because you're busy getting on with other stuff, that's creating a bottleneck for that person. So we need to work out how can we like move past ego and start to think about handing things over to people, trusting that they are gonna be the right person to manage this outcome or this
1: piece of work or this client. Oh, I totally agree. I think ego is such a big piece of business. And it's good because ego protects you in some ways. But one of the, the best things about entrepreneurship, which I never realized starting a business, I don't think we do, is that personal journey of really understanding ourselves and getting really truthful and brutally honest and understanding where our ego is there to protect us. And and we, we, we need that and we want to hold on to that and where our ego is really preventing us from moving forwards.
0: Interrupting our own episode to bring you the exciting news of brand new Scaling Simplified VIP days. If you are ready to simplify scaling to seven figures,
1: this is the day for you. Together, we will deep dive into your team, finance and operations so that we can create your bespoke step-by-step scaling strategy. For more information, check out the link in the show notes. Okay, so once we've started to, you know, really look inside and and start to work on that mindset piece around letting go and really developing into this new person and and being very aware of how we're reacting to certain situations and what we're holding on to consciously or subconsciously, very practically though, what steps can we take in order to help us move through this?
0: Okay, so when we're thinking about this person, so imagine that we found this ideal person, we think that we want to come in and take over our client delivery, how we find that person, we will come to in another episode. And in fact, I will put a link in the show notes to a a mini course on how you build out that process of finding someone, but we will go into that in a lot more detail. But imagine that You have come across someone that you think would be great in that client delivery, but you've still got this nagging feeling around, you know, what if they run off with all my clients? Well, one thing I find really interesting is to be really clear on what that person is looking for, because this is a two-way street. It's not about you bringing someone in and then running off with your business. It might be actually, and, and funnily enough, as entrepreneurs, it's amazing because Being an entrepreneur, starting your own business is really, really, really hard work. Yet we sort of believe that everybody wants to start running their own business and go through all that hard work. Whereas actually, I would say... I don't know, 80% of the general population has no interest in stressing about when they're going to, where they're going to find their next clients from or how they're going to build their business. Some people actually just love to do the work they do. They want the security of working within somebody else's business. They love to follow someone that they feel is doing a great job, someone they can learn from. It doesn't always look like them running off with your business. So I think actually you're going to feel so much more confident about trusting someone if you just start asking them the right questions start getting to know them understanding their motive for the role like what do they want to get out of it why is it that they would rather work for someone else than start up their own business there's nothing wrong with asking those questions and getting completely clear on that if that is what your hang up is is that if that's what you're worried about have that conversation, get it out in the open and understand that actually not everybody wants to start their own business. There are lots of amazing
1: people that are happy to come and work
0: for you and not run off with your clients.
1: It's so funny you say that because the best people I have working for me have all had businesses previously. And the reason that they wanted work was because they didn't enjoy running the business, but they loved what they were doing. And then it's great because I do the business running side of that and they just get to be really, really fucking good at what they do. And so I think that is such a big way to see it. Actually, lots of people don't want their own business. They're yeah. not going to steal your clients. It's it's all in your head because you're so focused on building your business. Yeah. But I
0: think, you know, you want to build that relationship with your employees. So find out what is their five year plan? What is their 10 year plan? You know, maybe it looks really, really different to yours, but it fits brilliantly alongside. So be really clear on what they're looking for. Then also we wanna be really clear on what a good job looks like within this role. So if you are worried about them not performing, not doing it as well as you do, we don't necessarily want them to do it in exactly the same way. You know, everybody has their own process but what's the result that we want them to get the clients to? Like, what are the objectives that they're working towards with the clients? And then how do they plan to get the client to that? Could be that you learn something really cool, new and exciting from them. But the main thing is it's, you know, it's not whether we turn left out of the drive or right out of the drive, but do we actually end up at the shop that we wanted to get to? You know, you can you can drive whichever route you want, as long as it's good, it gets us there. And it's an enjoyable journey for the client. So be really clear about what does a good job look like with, with this person that you're taking on. Also, we want to be really clear about how we're going to check in on the process without creating a bottleneck in the process. So lots of lots of us, when we first take someone on, we want to manage that level of productivity, client result, that sort of thing. But if we are trying to put ourselves back into the process at every stage to check it, firstly, why did we bother hiring this person in the first place? Because we're still creating more work for ourselves. But we're also making that work really frustrating for whoever we've hired because they can't move forward to the next stage. But obviously, we want to see the process that they're taking our clients through. So What do you need to know? What do you need to be able to see that shows you that this person that you've hired is doing a good job? And how can you see that without checking in all the time? Could it be that there is literally a spreadsheet where they are noting down the stages that they've gone through with the client and the results or any aha moments that the client said any nice bits of feedback so that you can see at a glance actually this client's really happy and they're moving through the process in the way they should and then the final thing you want to do is make sure that you've got some really good feedback loops in process so when we first take someone on obviously we want to hand over the whole part of the role we want them to run with the outcome and the objective and everything but we also want to make sure that you know the route they're planning is going to get them to where we want them to go so imagine that first of all you say okay I would like you to go off and spend 30 minutes planning this project and then come back to me and show me the steps that you're going to take so at that point they're coming back with an outline of what they're going to do so you know that they're going in the right direction rather than saying, okay, great. I'm pretty sure this person's got it. Off you go. We'll check in next week. And then next week comes and they've gone 800 miles in the wrong direction. And you could have stopped them with a quick five minute check in when they were sort of 30 minutes down the road. So it's just making sure that those feedback loops are in and that we're regularly just making sure that they're on the right track, not necessarily telling them how to put left foot in front of right foot.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point on feedback. And I think that's a really, it's a really difficult one when you're used to running your own business and making decisions for yourself and, you know, just getting on with things. I think it's quite hard to get sometimes into the routine of feeding back to a team member in a way that either doesn't feel like you're micromanaging everything or feeling like you're not, you know you're not speaking to them enough because you're actually like well i would just get on and do it so i'm gonna let them get on and do it because that's what i would do so that's what i'm going to expect they're going to do so what can we do to find that a the sort of the balance and the b the sort of just the rhythm of feedback so we don't feel terrified because we don't want to say something bad or upset somebody or we don't necessarily know how to deliver constructive feedback. Or feel like we are tied to our team members and cannot go and do anything because we feel like we need to be there every single minute, almost waiting for the question to come. Like How how do we find some balance with this?
0: Isn't it interesting, this, this idea of managing people? Because with anything else we do, we accept that there's a learning phase. But with being a team manager or leading people, we almost assume that because we run a business, we should be perfect at this straight away. We should know exactly what we're doing, but we don't. There's always a learning phase. And also you've got the added variant of every person is different. You know, every person Mm -hmm. listens to things differently, takes different things on board because they've got their own limiting beliefs and their own concerns about where they fall short in their work. So it can sometimes feel as a business leader when we get into this, that when we're delivering feedback, it's like we're giving a personal attack.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, we're learning at the same time. And I think we have to accept that this is a process that we're going to grow into. We're going to get better. And it's OK to almost say to our team member, OK, I want to give you some feedback on this, but I'm worried it's going to sound a bit clunky because I haven't done this before, I haven't done this for a while. So bear with me. The reason that I'm giving you this feedback is I want to help you improve your performance. So let's make it more of a discussion rather than a telling off, you know, and like lean into that learning phase of it. And also instead of hiring team members and kind of seeing them as a threat, if they're doing something better or in a different way, like accept feedback from them as well. You know, this is you are new to managing a team. So there will be areas when you can improve. So instead, if your team member wants to feed back to you, which is brilliant, because you're building an atmosphere of trust within the business, you trust each other to pull each other up when something could be better. You know, you're really engaging in making each other better. So if as a leader, one of your team wants to give you feedback, see it as a gift. It's an opportunity to become even better at managing a team, to get even better results from your team in the way that you can feedback and talk to them. So yeah, feedback's a really funny one. We've got to be able to go both ways, give our team feedback, be open that we're learning, but also accept feedback from them as well. Have you? How do
1: you feel about accepting feedback from your team? I actually love feedback and there's been times when I've actually actively asked for more feedback from my team because I feel sometimes you forget that you're the boss in my mind we're all a team like a hockey team playing together and no one's the captain we're all just playing and then I forget sometimes that no I'm I'm the captain of the team and people are looking to me for guidance and leadership and you know, all those things. And I think sometimes, especially when you kind of, you know, really lean in, and certainly in in my business, the culture, I really want it to feel very much like a team, a community, we're all in this together. And so sometimes you forget that people maybe are a little afraid to give you feedback. And I, I really liked the idea you said of, if you're not certain, be like, this is going to be a bit clunky, okay, I'm not really very good at doing this. And being very transparent with your team or the team member that you're giving because I think that level of vulnerability and transparency with them opens up that safe space for them to say okay well you know you said this you said that you are be a bit nervous about delivering this or you're, you're not sure you're going to deliver it in the right way so bear with me whilst you know I get the words out in the right order I also feel that I want to say this back to you but I don't know quite how to say it too to not upset you or feel like I'm being a bad employee so I think it It works both ways. And I think, as you say, it is such a gift because the only way you learn is through that feedback. And, you know, from team members, we we get from the external world and our marketing, we get the feedback people aren't buying. Okay, fine, we'll change the Facebook ad copy. That's the feedback. But with a team, you don't get that unless you have the conversation. So it's all about having the conversation, isn't it?
0: Definitely. We want to build that trust. We
1: don't want to feel
0: that things are going unsaid you know, that people are guessing where they stand with something. Did I go to do a good job? Did I not do a good job? Are they Are they worried about something, you know? So yeah, keeping that openness and transparency is going to build the trust and the trust is what really brings the results in a team.
1: Exactly. So we've talked about not scaling client delivery for fears around team and the team element about who do we hire and how do we hire them and how do we delegate. But another piece that we've not really touched on is scaling and scaling our client delivery and struggling to do this because we don't really have any idea where we're going. And I know we've talked about this a lot kind of scalability blindness we're so in the weeds that we can't really like peek our head above the grass and see the direction the mountain that we're aiming towards and i think this is really important you know just to note here that it's we do need to be able to take time back and understand what direction we're growing our business in and what this means in terms of our client delivery and how we can scale that up because the direction of travel will very much inform the type of team that we want to build, the structure of that team, who we're hiring, how we're hiring them. you know and all these sort of more strategic bits that I know we're gonna get into all the details of in future episodes, but I think it is really important within all of this that we don't blindly just go, my business is growing, I need to hand out delivery to somebody else because I don't have time to do this and not have any clear direction of travel because that's not fair for the people you're bringing into your business to not be clear to them the direction of travel in which we're heading.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's really important to get that locked down. see, you know, not just what this hire is, this hire that you're making, but what's the next one going to be after that, even if it's not, you know, it's not time yet, but you know, this is the direction that we're going in. So at the moment, I'm hiring you, you're taking on this, but I anticipate this area of the business will grow, then you will focus on this, because I think that's where your strengths are. But it's a moving feast, you know, we can start to see Actually, if your capabilities really lie somewhere else, if there's something you love to do, again, we're keeping that feedback, that honest transparency, and we're starting to use, utilize people where they are most useful, where their skills really lie, where their passion is. And if we've got everyone acting in areas that they love, the business is going to be great. So, OK, I want to think about what we've talked about so far, which is we're at this. We have started with a kind of maxed out business owner that only trusts themselves with looking after their clients and delivering the results they want. And after challenging themselves on all their different limiting beliefs, the things that they're saying to them to themselves, things have started to change. And the way that this might then start to look, they start to think about the whole process differently. They're going to think about, hopefully they being you listeners are going to think about your client delivery process and thinking, actually, how can I break this process down into different stages? Like there are so many different parts of this client delivery process. And within these different parts, what are the bits that I no longer enjoy doing? What are the bits that are not very challenging anymore? What are the bits that I procrastinate on? So perhaps within one client's journey, there's a bit of a lag at one point because you just keep putting off writing that report or tweaking that document that they asked you to look at or whatever it is that really doesn't float your boat anymore. You know, so actually the client result is being delayed or, you know, it's not as great because you are still in charge of this area that actually isn't in your zone of genius. You don't really love doing, you're slightly procrastinating on. So if we start to look at that client journey, broken down into all the different areas could I get someone in to take over that section that I drag my feet on? Maybe for me, it might be a super detailed section that involves some real high level concentration. And I much more big picture ideas, like what? where are we going with this? You know, I, I don't necessarily want to get into the tiny detail. So that is something I might put off for a day or so. So <laughs> could I bring someone else in who's really detailed, detail focus and actually would love that level of challenge and be super motivated to do it that would actually speed up the process probably deliver a much better result than I would be and and no longer does this part have to be me you know I've I've moved that on so we might find that actually and this has happened with some other clients once we started to break down the client delivery, they realized that actually only about 15% of the process had to be them. Like there was usually one or two bits where they added such a level of genius to the situation, but actually a lot of the rest of the process could be taken over by other people. And by doing that, by handing over 70% of that process, for example, They could take on way more clients, you know, and actually just spend their time in the bits they loved with every client plus you're creating so much more time to then be strategizing about how am I going to bring in more of these ideal clients like I've got so much more energy my work is energizing me I'm not bogged down by these lists of detail-oriented things that I've been procrastinating on for a week you know I'm handing them over to someone that loves doing them the clients are thriving it's all so exciting like let's take over the world (laughs) you know what I mean it can get really (laughs) quite motivating but all that shifted was you stopped thinking I don't trust someone to take this on because you were thinking about the whole client picture you started to actually break it down and be like okay so maybe I don't trust someone to take on these parts yet
1: but what parts do I trust someone to take on let's
0: let's move into this slowly
1: yeah I think that's so true and I think that is such a great message not just with client delivery but with team in general bringing people in we always think I need this person to do all of my marketing or all of my client delivery or all of my product updates or what have you. And actually the reality is there are certain parts which we want to stay involved in because the reason our business is so successful is because we are so fucking good at that one little bit of the journey. And actually we don't want to lose our input on there. We want to stay very much on on the pulse with that thing that we're very, very good at. But recognizing, actually, I'm terrible at this. And I think you and I are similar, like really into the detail. It's the bigger picture stuff. And actually, if somebody else is really good at that, it's a win-win. It's a win for us because we don't have to do something that ultimately we either don't like or are not overly good at. B, our clients or our customers have a better result because they have somebody who's really good at it doing it. And we then start, as we see that, you can then start to pass on more bits or expand the number of people that they're serving. You know, there's so much more that we can then do once we've built that trust. And I think it is, it's breaking it down, isn't it? Into that step-by-step. It's not handing out the whole thing. It's doing it in a very like, the house is built brick by brick, not by literally like plonking a house down. And that's how we have to think about it when it comes to building out our team. Okay, so I know we have covered so much. And I think this has been such a good episode, which I think so many people will resonate with some of the things that we've talked about. And hopefully it's given you an idea of how you can start to move through some of these bottlenecks and some of these blocks or concerns that you, you know, whirl around in your head at night. But I think it'd be really useful to think about where we go next. And I think there's there's three big questions that have really cropped up for me during this conversation that if you're resonating with this podcast, I would go and take to your journal and go and have a really good think about um, and really start sort of diving into this. And that's the first one is thinking about where are you leaking time and energy? So what's happening in your business where you're like, actually, my time is just flying by here on stuff that isn't as important as I, you know, is the time I want to be spending elsewhere? And where is taking a a lot of your energy up? You know, are you expending a lot of energy, worrying about things actually that you do not need to be spending your time on? So really diving into that. The second area and question to ask yourself is, where are the gaps in your client service delivery? And that's coming back to breaking down the client delivery into its little sections and its little chunks, and really critically looking at each place and going, this is really good. Mm, This could be better. Oh, there's something that maybe should be happening between step one and step two that I'm not doing that maybe somebody else could be doing to support my client. And really thinking step by step, is this good? Is this bad? Am I the right person for it? Or actually, is somebody else better for it? And then you'll very quickly start to see actually there's some real gaps here and some real opportunities to get support in this process. And then this comes on to the third bit, which part of the process has to be you? And I think always taking that step back, reassessing the ego and going, does it have to be me because I've done it for all this time? Or actually, am I just telling myself it has to be me? And probably there's somebody far better qualified or suited or excited about doing this specific task that actually, if I handed it over to them, I'm gonna produce a better result for my client. And as you say, our business is not us when we're starting to scale. It starts us as being us, but we need to shift our identity from our business being ourselves. And actually our business is our client results and our customer happiness. And so actually if we can bring that person in, which boosts our client results and our customer happiness, then we're doing the right thing for the business. So those would be my three things to go away and journal on. What Georgia would you say if you're really resonating with this, what would you suggest to really start thinking about. Those three things are 100% what I start
0: working with clients on. And if you haven't noticed, I absolutely love working on this topic. And this is probably what I spend a lot of my time with on clients. Like, how do you clone yourself? How do you extract yourself from that conversation, from that process? And this is why coaching can be so effective in this because you really need a bit of a mirror reflecting back on you the things that you're saying because so much of this is the mindset side. And once you say it out loud, you sort of think, hang on a minute is that really true like where did I get that from who am I that I think (laughs) I'm the only person that can do this so definitely the first stage is thinking about that mindset side like where are you tripping yourself up where are you holding yourself back where is the fear how can we move past that how can we flip it and think about it as a growth moment or in a different way So first of all, focus on the mindset, get in touch if this is where you're at and you want to work on that. Then we're thinking about, as you say, that bigger vision, like where is the business going? In five years, do I still want to be hanging on to this part of the client process? And if I don't, then why am I still hanging on to it now? Like, how can I move away from that part of the process? Because in the end, this isn't the bit that I am really helping my clients succeed with this isn't the bit that has to be me.
1: Thank you for listening to Scaling Simplified with me, Pip Harland. And me, Georgia Fitzgerald. If you've loved this episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review.
0: We love it when you get in touch. So head to the show notes and drop us a DM or send us an email. We want to hear all about your business.